The Longbox Crusade presents Fan Bill Friday. Welcome to another fun-filled episode of Fan Film Fridays. I'm your host, the always trapped in the basement, Clinton Robison. For those of you completely new to this whole thing, this is the show where I and a guest take a look at online fan films and have a brief little chat about them. How all these people keep finding their way into the Longbox Crusade Network basement, I have no idea, but it's sure been beneficial to me for the entire premise of this show. Which brings me to a specific point. I don't have a guest here. Um, maybe somebody's upstairs? Jared found an old intercom at a yard sale a couple of months ago, so let's see if it works. Uh, hello? Pardon me. Pardon me. Wait, what was that awful noise? All right, quarantine's probably just driving me crazy. I'm probably hearing things. Hello? Delvin? Pat? Anybody? Ah, oh, crap. I knew I shouldn't have actually hooked up that... Oh, I know it's that intercom, isn't it? Hang on. Yeah, Clinton, what do you want? Hey, Jared! Uh, I need a guest for an episode. Anybody available? Uh, It's just me up here, man. Everybody else is apparently essential. Oh, well, how bored are you? Well, I am almost finished singing all of Prince's greatest hits and B-sides, so pretty bored. I'll come down and see you. All right, I'm here. Uh, So what are we we talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Today's episode is actually something you inspired, believe it or not. Oh, we're going to do something about Prince. (sighs) Not exactly. Oh, okay. What's up? Well, you see, you posted this link a while back, and it got my brain working, which, you know, is not an easy task, as you probably already know. Some blood coming out of your right ear. I can see (laughs) Wait, right is the one that doesn't make an L. All right, just never mind. Uh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, today we're, we're totally having an animation marathon of sorts. So, you know, we can totally look at three different, very short fan films. I take no blame for your messes, sir. Yeah, well, yeah whatever. <laughs> anyway... Jared did indeed post a link to an Indiana Jones video that helped inspire this episode. So I guess we can start off with that and just glide on from there. Mm. But before we dive into any of these, I highly suggest everybody check out the show notes and watch these three extremely short films. The grand total will probably run you about 10 minutes. So we aren't asking much of your time. Not to mention we will spoil the heck out of these, and it's just more fun for everybody if you've seen the films. I concur. 
<laughs> Watch the films. We'll return after these messages. Okay, everybody back? Good. So, Jared, what can you tell us about Indiana Jones as a franchise? Mm, The first thing that comes to mind when you say Indiana Jones as a franchise is that Delvin the Dark Web Williams has not seen a single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you'd said that a year ago, I'd have been surprised. Mm -hmm. But, no, I'm still surprised. Okay, yeah. Because now I, you're a bad friend. I'm trying to talk him into a podcast, and he's not resisting it. He's not resisting it. I want to be clear on that. He's not like, oh, Indiana Jones. He's just like, eh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> he's not resisting I'm trying to talk him into a four-episode mini-podcast called Rookie Archaeologist, much like our Rookie Agents James Bond show over on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast Network, taking Delvin through those four films. So hopefully I can put that together since we got a little spare time now <laughs> in, in quarantine and flu season. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, but anyway, let me get back on track. Uh, the Indiana Jones franchise is quintessential 80s viewing. And I realize the fourth one falls out of the realm of the 80s, but the fourth one falls out of the realm of a lot of things for a lot of Indiana Jones fans. <laughs> I am kinder to it than most. I actually like Indiana Jones 4, uh, it, but it is by far my least favorite of the four. Now, remember, I, I still like it, but I would say you didn't ask me, but I'm going to tell you this. I would say my favorite one is probably The Last Crusade. I, I love the the universe that's been built. And then, of course, the introduction of one Sean Connery, who sometimes guests on the shows and has been to your basement once or twice. And um, after that one, I like uh, probably Temple of Doom, then the original Raiders, and then part four. But it is iconic 80s goodness. It is action. It is adventure. A dash of romance. Sweeping John Williams music. Iconic images. Hats. Whips. Uh, it's so quotable. What a great franchise. Back to you, Clinton. <laughs> well, it it does my heart good to hear you rank uh, Temple of Doom that high. Yeah, I love Temple of Doom. And there is some nostalgia wrapped up in that. I mean, just distinctly remember going to see that with my father and my brother, the Fort Rucker movie theater, which is where I've moved back to, by the way. I now live where I lived when that movie came out. <laughs> so I still love going to the Fort Rucker 
movie theater because there's so many memories. I saw Temple of Doom there. I saw Karate Kid there. So it just warms my heart. So I do I do have a special place for Temple of Doom. And and when I rank them, by the way, that whole three, then two, then one, I mean, that's a narrow margin. They're all packed in real tight. I like them all <laughs> so much. There's a bit of distance when you get to number four, but I still like it. I know this is not what this show is about, but I got to know. I got to know what your feelings are. Be as kind as you can, but what your feelings are as far as the, the whole franchise and maybe specifically number four. Well, uh, I have to pull a Delvin on number four. Oh, you've never seen it? Nope, I've I've never seen it. Oh, okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, maybe you should be on the show with it. If we do, if we do the four episode, <laughs> Ricky Archaeologist, maybe you can join <laughs> us on episode four. That'd be fun. I could be Mutt or whatever they call him. <laughs> yep, his name was Mutt. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I have not seen four. I'm sure it's one of those that you know, given that. Er- everybody on the internet has kind of calmed down about it. I could probably actually watch it with, <clears throat> excuse me, with a, a an air of just sit back and enjoy it for what it is. Absolutely. No, I think that's a really smart take, by the way, because it's really easy, like you said, to get caught up in internet. You know, this sucks. That sucks. You know, the internet's so binary. Mm-hmm. Things are either great or they suck. <laughs> there's a scale. There's, there's room in there mm-hmm. for okay. And I think part four is okay. There's a lot of things that I like. See, I think that's kind of like how, how I can enjoy Temple of Doom so much. Yeah, like you, there's a lot of nostalgia involved with it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's not as heavy-handed as you know the others in trying to get a message across necessarily. It's, it's just sit back and go on this adventure from start to finish. I have and, never thought of the other two as message films. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're making me look at it in a whole new light. <laughs> Maybe I'm kind of stretching the premise here just a little. No, well, I could see I could see what you're saying is there's a there is a certain fundamental Christian cornerstone in the first and the third. I, I, if that's where you're going. If I'm wrong, feel free to correct me. But there there are certain fundamentally Christian things in the first and third, and then the second one, Temple of the Doom, gets away from that, and does more um India. Uh, based religions uh so i don't know if that's where you're going with it but i <laughs> i think mostly i was just saying words and they kind of strung together <laughs> you're making this whole podcast up aren't you um yeah hey can you check and see what this little trickle is coming out of my ear oh it started again <laughs> i'll get a kleenex hang on Okay, so anyway, <laughs> boxed you into a corner there on that religion discussion. Didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. This is not darkness to light. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so, the Adventures of Indiana Jones, which mm. is you know the thing that we're actually supposed to be looking at. Oh yeah, is an animated fan film by Patrick Schoenmaker, who posted it to YouTube way back in September of 2016. At the moment, it currently has over 727,000 views. So a fairly decent stretch. Needs more. Yes, it does. Everything we review needs more, even Mm -hmm. if it's bad. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Created as part of an animation school project and done in the style of a television show intro sequence, the film showcases a variety of Indiana Jones' adventures, including avoiding death traps with short round, fighting Nazis in the desert, a romantic interlude with Marion Ravenwood, swinging over crocodiles, retrieving magical artifacts, and quite possibly the scariest of all, 
teaching his college class. <gasps> the whole thing runs a tight one minute and 40 seconds. But apparently it was a labor of love over the course of five years. Whew. Jared, what do you think of this? Well, this is the one that I posted that got your ears bleeding and churning on this whole idea. So uh, obviously if I posted it and gushed about it, I'm going to gush about it here. It's fantastic. Like you said, it is designed to be the intro for a cartoon. You know, uh, for those of you who are listening and are unclear on that, I'm not sure why. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> think of the intro to the DuckTales, you know, the with the theme song, DuckTales. You know, all that jazz. Or better yet, Rescue Rangers. Wait, what are we talking about? Anyway, <laughs> it's it's like that. You know how they do those, though? They have, like, just, just quick flashes of action that kind of move from one piece to another. Very different pieces, but somehow seamlessly with a catchy tune. That's 100% what's happening here. We have the catchy music. We have it moving from all those. You laid out, like, six main things that it does in, like like, a minute and a half. And it is perfect. Like, it makes you wish that this Indiana Jones animated cartoon existed. The animation is tight. The music is great. The sequences are amazing. I don't know what else to say, man. You gush about it. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm with you every time I watch it, and I've watched it at least 10 times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I really find myself wanting an animated series. It can be a family-friendly. It can be a little more adult, you know, because the movies themselves kind of span that whole Right. Gap just in a single movie. Yeah, like a PG-13 cartoon that they run on Netflix or something like Disney mm-hmm. Plus, I guess, probably owns it now because it's Lucasfilm, right? Yeah. Well, shoot. I mean, what, why couldn't they put one on Disney Plus? That would why be not? awesome. Heck yeah. Heck yes. And the beauty part about that is you could get you could potentially still use Harrison Ford. It's voice work, man. Yep. Voice work. And I think we're kind of glossing over the fact that this animation is so good. No, you're right. It's so smooth. It's mm-hmm. detailed. Mm-hmm. The character designs are not, you know, entirely picture perfect compared to the the films, but it doesn't matter. Mm-mm. You get you get the exact feeling that this is who these characters are and you're fully immersed in it within less than 10 seconds. The I would say the animation quality is on par with and get ready for a very high compliment is on par with the Bruce Tim designs for the Batman the Animated Series. Oh. That, that's how good the animation designs are. They give you the essence of the characters. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Now you've really got me thinking, like, what if we did this animation with the Batman the Animated Series writers? Mm, good. Good. Man, Andy be punching Nazis all day. All day. Harrison Ford doing the voice work. My goodness. Oh, the beauty man. of it is he could go all over the place, man. He could, you know, yeah. he doesn't have to just fight the Nazis. He could go to Imperial Japan and fight those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically, you could strip mine. I have to my left here. I know this is very visual, so people at home, <laughs> you, you may just edit this out if you want. I don't care. To my left, I'm going to show it to you and only you since this is an audio podcast. I have one of my hardbound volumes of the further adventures of Indiana Jones from Marvel Comics. I have every Indiana Jones comic Marvel ever made to include the movie adaptations. Hardbound from the good friends at Omaha Bound Entertainment. (laughs) Okay, but where am I going with this? First of all, I'm so fancy. Second of all, there's... Look at all these stories, man. There's like 32 issues of this series, maybe more. I only have volume one with me, so it might be more than that. But they could strip mine the comic book. And he does go to other places Mm -hmm. in the comics. And there are some really cool adventures. So there's right there, man. Right there. 
you've got a couple seasons worth of awesome stories. Okay. And if anybody, uh, since we're going to just segue here, if anybody does want to find their comics like you do, uh, how would they go about that? Well, I'm happy to go into that since we have partnered with Omaha Bound. They are a sponsor of this show and all the shows on the Longbox Crusade Network, and we're happy to have them. Uh, you can go to omahabound.com. They don't just buy in comics. They also have some trade paperbacks that they've built themselves of rare comics that you can just buy directly. But if you're like me, if you've got, say, a full run of the Indiana Jones Marvel comics that haven't ever truly been properly collected anywhere, uh, get them bound by Omaha Bound. Reach out to them. They run a special where you can get up to 25 comics bound. This is as many as you can get because thickness levels get out of control at that point. Up to 25 comics bound. I believe it's 75 bucks. Don't quote me. Make sure that it's up to date on the website, but I'm pretty sure it's at the current time of recording, 75 bucks. They design a unique cover, and I, and I mean unique. If you sent your Indiana Jones comics in and mine, we'd get different covers. They don't, they don't mass produce. Everything is unique and tailored to the individual. You can have input of what you want your cover to be, but if you take advantage of the $75 special, basically that gives them the reins. You go, you do your thing. Let them be creative. And they will bind your books, hardcover, built-in bookmark, unique um, graphics on front and back and spine. Wonderful people, wonderful products. Check out omahabound.com. First chance you get. I totally feel like Paul Harvey when we slide into stuff like this. (laughs) (laughs) Friends, today we are brought to you by (laughs) Granny's Tea Biscuits. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so if it's not obvious, it is clear to me anyway, mm-hmm. and remember, I'm the one brain dead over here, <laughs> <laughs> that The Adventures of Indiana Jones is a must-see for any indie fan. Mm-hmm. Would you consider it a good intro for somebody like Delvin, who has never seen anything? Well, sure, because it'll definitely give him the flavor of what it's all about in 90 seconds. It basically tells you everything you need to know about Indiana Jones in 90 seconds, which is what makes it perfect. So, yes, I would say that you have done. I can't. What episode number is this? Do you know off the top of your head? How many? Episodes? Um, Seven, eight, something. OK, the point is there's been a lot of cool stuff on here. I've been part of it with Hang'em Hyrule, which I thought was wonderful. Uh, this might be my favorite thing that's ever popped up on the show. <laughs> we have two more things to talk about. They're also really good. But spoiler alert. I think this one is my favorite of the three. Okay, so moving on, we'll just shift gears into something else that's totally in your wheelhouse, mm. video games. Mm, I do like the games, my friend. Yeah, especially since you mentioned Hang'em Hyrule. Yes, good, good. So specifically this time, we're going to look at something inspired by the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise. So Jared, are you familiar with Sonic at all? Can you tell us a little something about him? Absolutely can do. June 23rd, 1991, my friend, the world was introduced to Sonic the Hedgehog on the Sega Genesis. It was very much meant to compete with Super Mario Brothers. The Genesis was trying to get back some market share from the Nintendo because the Genesis had the Master System, but the Nintendo console, the original 8-bit, just buried it. It's still a good console, by the way, with plenty of fun games, but the Genesis sort of revitalized Sega's industry, and they needed a mascot, and they went to Sonic. 1991 comes out. His big thing is he's fast, and he has an attitude. Okay, Why is he fast? Because Sega was pushing what they call blast processing. Blast processing. Basically, what they're saying is we have a 16-bit gaming system that can process faster than the 8-bit Nintendo. That was the whole reason that Sonic's 
deal is speed because they wanted people to see how fast he's moving on the screen and be like, whoa, Nintendo can't do this. The screens can't move this fast. That's the whole purpose behind him. Luckily for them, he caught on really well. He ended up getting a sequel after sequel after sequel. Some hits, some misses. Uh, fans are can be very divided on the Sonic games, especially after you get out of the Genesis era. I mean, this cat was so popular. I use cat colloquialism-y. <laughs> he's not a cat. He's a hedgehog. <laughs> was so popular that Michael Jackson was involved in making some of the music for some of the Sonic games. So, I mean, this is heavy-hitting stuff. Icon in the gaming industry. Really the flagship character of the Sega. The whole Sega brand. What what, what else do you need? (laughs) (laughs) So, basically, you're saying that you've seen the character around once or twice. Yes. I've played and beaten all the Sega Genesis games. There's some really cool ones they did for like 32X add-on later on, uh, Sega CD. At basically, every version of the Sonic uh, of of the Sega system that comes out gets a Sonic game at a minimum. Most of the time, they get multiple ones. And then now that Son- now that Sega is not in the hardware business anymore, they still produce Sonic games for other systems. So there's a ton of Sonic, games, mm-hmm. and I have played a lot of it. <laughs> Okay, folks. Well, this film is just simply called Sonic the Hedgehog Fan Film. So I guess somebody borrowed from my creativity pool. (laughs) You think they pitched that in a room with their friends? All right, guys, listen. Here it is. Sonic (laughs) the Hedgehog Fan Film. I mean, you know what it is going into it. That's true. Descriptively correct. (laughs) It was posted to YouTube just a couple of years ago in 2018. And it was a creativity project by Charles Cantu, a.k.a. Shoeless Chuck. you got to admire that name right there. Shoeless Chuck. <laughs> I like it. The film showcases what might be considered putting a level from a Sonic game into a cartoon episode. Sonic basically, you know, runs along, dodging various traps and chasing down Dr. Robotnik. Along the way, we get to see the robot Metal Sonic and Sonic transform into Super Sonic. The film uses a loop of the opening theme from the Sonic the Hedgehog Saturday morning cartoon, sometimes called Sonic Sat-Am, not to be confused with The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog or Sonic Underground, the other two Sonic cartoons of the 90s. The entire film runs just over two minutes long and has racked up a highly impressive number of views, currently totaling well over 1.3 million. So, Jared, Mm. do you have a few thoughts I haven't seen it yet. Was I supposed to watch for the show? I'm kidding. I watched it. Um, yes, I do. My kids, first of all, love the Sonic cartoon. We have them all on our Plex server, and my 13-year-old son went through a phase where he watched them all, and now my 5-year-old son has gone through his phase where he's watched them all. <laughs> and they're actually quite good. In fact, some of the best things about Sonic, to be honest with you, are outside of the realm of video games. There's some great games, no doubt, but the, the comic book series done by Archie Comics... And that sucker ran for like 150 issues or something like that. It's pretty good. The Sonic the Hedgehog comic book is excellent. But let me get back to the topic at hand, which is the fan film. Wonderful, wonderful representation of Sonic the Hedgehog. It's everything it needs to be. The art style is a little sketchy, but I say that in, the, in a positive way. Not, not like negative. It's sketchy, but like it's got a sketch quality to it mm-hmm. that makes it fun to watch. It really showcases Sonic's speeds, Sonic's villains, key characters, like you said. Personally, I really like the part where he was 
jumping from missile to missile after Robotnik fired all of the missiles at him, and he was using his speed to hop from missile to missile to get to Robotnik. I thought that was super cool. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about it was the loop of the background music. I think it would have been worth the filmmaker's time and effort to talk to somebody like musical genius Joe November, who could have done a remix of the Sonic theme to play behind it. That, or Or you could have got away with it if there was other sound engineering. But literally the only sound you have is the theme, and that's it. There's no sound for the exploding missiles. There's no sound for him turning into supersonic or anything like that it needed a, an extra audio quality to bump it to the next level, which is not to say you guys shouldn't watch it. You should. It's not long and it's fun to watch, especially if you like Sonic. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, re- I really like the, like you said, the sketch style animation, um, much like the adventures of Indiana Jones. This looks like it could kind of serve as an intro to a cartoon series. Certainly. Um, as far as any lows, I would have really enjoyed more seeing you know, an expanded cast if we were going to actually treat this as a show intro. Right. But I mean, I don't mind the song loop that much, but I mean, the the more you listen to it, the more you do kind of think, well, maybe if they had managed to like get the sound from one of the game levels or, yeah, yeah. Or something. But yeah, I hadn't thought about, you know, the lack of explosion sounds or anything like that. And it's fine the way it is. I just think that would have taken it to the next level. Yeah, I mean, you have to understand, this is something that's meant for fun. It's not, it, it just tells a, a very small story. It's not necessarily meant to be like a, a movie pitch or anything. Definitely. Yeah, and it, and it does a good job. It makes me want to watch a Sonic cartoon or play a game. So it's definitely doing what it's designed to do. Plus, two minutes worth of animation takes a whole lot longer to produce than what people might start to believe yeah it's like podcasting man yeah you gotta sit there and edit and edit edit and edit edit. because your guest might say or or so yeah i mean i don't know what else we can really say about it that can't good yeah it's definitely worth seeing i know we didn't talk it up nearly as much as indiana jones but it's fun Mm -hmm. and for somebody who I don't know how you couldn't be at least the tiniest bit familiar with Sonic, considering he just had a big movie come out earlier this year. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see it. I've heard actually pretty good things. My kids tell me it's good. Um, that's the key audience then. Yep. Yeah, and they're teenagers, so. <laughs> Ooh, they're very binary. It's either the greatest thing ever or it sucks. Yep. You know, they grew up with Sonic, though. So, so this would have been perfect for them, too, because... Anyway, yeah, take this and pass it by your kids. See if see if it passes the kid test, because if it passes that, then you yeah. know it's either quality or you're going to hate it forever. Good point. <laughs> Good point. You know. All right, so we'll just move along to our third and final film, and we're just going to get away from video games and realistic indie adventures and move over to the realm of comic books. All right, our third film is something that you probably would have believed happened in the 90s. <laughs> it's called Batman versus the Terminator. Batman has already been on this show in the form of Batman Dead End, so he probably needs no real introduction. But Jared, can you tell us a little bit about the Terminator? I can. 
Oh, you want me to explain? Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought you were having like a war flashback because you had, you know, had seen some action with John Connor. You know, yeah, I served with John Connor for a little while in the future. But, anyways, yeah, I mean, everybody knows about the Terminator, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger, James Cameron masterpiece that came out in 1984. I'm going with four. Uh, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, Michael Bean is the lead hero. Uh, you know, Schwarzenegger got pitched to be the hero, but he decided he wanted to play the villain, which I think was a much better fit for him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's what we were talking about. Um, yeah, classic sci-fi action film, borderline horror film, apocalyptic future, robots disguised as people trying to kill key humans from the past to prevent the future. There's a lot going on and a lot to love. And even if you've never seen it, you know all the references from pop culture. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even... Even people born 20 years after this movie know I'll be back. Uh-huh. Hasta, well, they might not know Hasta La Vista, baby. Come with me if you want to live. Yeah. I hear Pat Simpson say that on a daily basis. <laughs> He's just teasing you, though, because he doesn't actually open the door to the basement. <laughs> I'm not even sure he wants me to live. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh. Okay, so this fan film was originally created by Mitchell Hammond way back in 2014. Based on an original concept by Tony Guerrero with music by Noir Deco. The link in the show notes leads to an updated audio version that is easier to hear, which has over 440,000 views. Not too shabby, right? Mm -hmm. But the original audio version... That granted, you know, is like six years old, has an incredibly powerful 6.2 million views. Woo! So, I mean, it must be something to make it stand out from other Terminator things. Hmm? Well, of course, it's hmm. got Batman in it. Oh, it's got Batman. Everything's better with Batman. <laughs> Well, there's a new podcast idea for you. Yeah, we just yeah look for that <laughs> couple months. <laughs> okay, so the concept of the film, and granted, I'm pulling this mostly from the YouTube description, is 30 years have passed since Bruce Wayne survived Skynet's nuclear blast in August of 97. Iron demons now roam the planet, and without the requirement to defend the innocent against crime and injustice... Batman has sought refuge in the bomb shelter that saved his life, the Batcave. Having scavenged the wasteland for resources, he discovers the radio of a dead soldier. There is static over a frequency. Flesh and blood is rising up to the west. With with the Stinger, a riot control vehicle, he dons a bomb vest and makes his way across what remains of the United States to join forces with the man determined to neutralize the electronic menace. John Connor. From this point, Batman breaks into the Skynet headquarters to try eliminating the Terminator threat, leaving us with a cliffhanger. Most of the premise of this five-minute fan film is, you know, in the description of the video itself. We only see just a few snippets of Batman's actual mission, but it's still an interesting ride. Mm -hmm. So, Jared, what were your thoughts on this one? This was super cool, man. Very, very cool. This is my second favorite of the three animated things we saw today. No slight on Sonic. Sonic's in third was still great. This is really, really good. You can tell someone put in some time and some creativity. The animation style feels heavily influenced by anime. 
in that there's a lot of poignant moments and long pauses, but then there's some cool emotive moments. I think specifically of the two soldiers who are kind of hiding as the Terminator is looking for them and looking very panicky. Great animation, cool design for a very elderly Batman in his bat armor with his gray beard. His vehicle's cool. Uh, You're right. The YouTube description is a little bit broader than what we actually get to see. There's a lot of backstory there in the YouTube mm-hmm. description that's, that you don't see in the film. But the animation is tight. The sound effects are wonderful. The music's good. The overall character designs are very good. There's a lot to like here, man. What do you think? I think you're pretty much spot on because, yeah, the the video itself pretty much just shows us Terminators ruling the Earth, a few resistance fighters getting their butts handed to them, and then Batman just breaking into the building. I do really like the beard on him. It definitely shows this is just Batman who has no need to be Bruce Wayne anymore. So he's just Batman 24 seven doesn't even take time to shave. Uh, It's very Frank Miller looking in the Batman's design. You know, he looks like dark Knight returns all bulky. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually took the vehicle to be more like the um, dark Knight returns Batmobile though, than some kind of, anti-terminator vehicle yeah i same same here i'm not sure if this concept was somebody's short story or an rpg idea but i mean it it seems like it could really go somewhere absolutely Uh, as far as like anything low on it though i kind of wish batman could have actually said more than two lines true i did like the fact the lines did reference that he was working with john connor thought that was Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like, let's take Batman and stick him in Terminator World, uh, which they did, but they tied it more tightly to Terminator World by the few, line, few lines he did speak. He was talking with John Connor via comlink, which I thought was clever. Right. And it's not like he's just a heartless Batman. You know, he does save that one soldier. Mm-hmm. Very cool batman things. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like an introduction to people, if... They've never seen Terminator stuff. Do you think this represents it at all? Sure. Sure. Yeah, I think they get the futuristic universe very right. We don't spend a lot of time in the futuristic universe in the Terminator franchise, with the exception of the fourth film. Uh, but what they do give us, the film, I think, is very faithful. Okay. The thing that uh, Batman falls down into, do you think that's leading to the the time machine at all? or? You know, it could. There's so many different ways it could go. That was basically my only real disappointment was once I, to the moment I got invested in the character is when it ends. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, this is an interesting story. Oh, okay, well, there's a, a, a turn there. He's falling down this pit. Where's it going? What's the next step? I don't know. That's a great theory, though. Yeah. I mean, as far as we're ranking these, I would have to rank them probably in the order we covered them. Okay, so you like Sonic a little better than this one. Yeah, I, I think so. Just as far as being a complete story, because this one, like you said, the moment you really get settled in, you're hooked on the anima- animation style, you're invested in who's on screen and what's happening, and then the credits roll. Yeah, that's fair. You're right. That's fair. Which, again, you know, this is five minutes worth of animation, so I guarantee it took a whole lot longer than Sonic to do, but at the same time, Give the people what they're wanting, dude. <laughs> well, I certainly would love to see more. You know, I, I'd love to see somebody uh, back this project or maybe the, the creator put it on a Kickstarter to make a full 
60 minute, you know, cartoon out of it or something. I mean, the most expensive piece is obviously going to be the licensing between DC and whomever owns Terminator. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume Jim Cameron or somebody. I don't, it, it would be very cool to see it come to a complete story. Yep. Yep. Darn it. I had a question for you and then I lost it. Uh, oh, well. Okay. So I guess that pretty well wraps it up for our animation special. If anybody wants us to do more of these, let me know, because Lord knows I would love to find some more animation online and uh, feel free to pitch some movies, people. You know, this isn't all me. This is a community thing. Yeah, you put a cool enough one on Twitter. Basically, he might call you in because that's what happened to me. (laughs) So, Jared, I do appreciate you joining me, especially during your boredom upstairs. I know. No problem. I can get back to the the B-sides of of Prince hits uh, here in no time. So do let the people know where they can find you online. Absolutely. I can be found at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's all Yard Sale Artist. And I do have a YouTube channel. If you hop on Yard on YouTube and search Yard Sale Artist, you'll find me. And I greatly appreciate a subscription. Okay. And I do thank you for installing the intercom system. Seems to work great for getting in contact with you guys upstairs. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it's going to be down uh, for repairs. When I get upstairs, I think I, I heard a terrible whine when you uh, used it earlier. Oh. There it goes again. <sighs> well, darn it. Hey, hey, I know. I, I'll help you work on it if you want. No. I mean, no. It's fine. I, I'll manage. I'm sure you've got things to do down here. I've got things to do up there that don't include you. Oh. Um, okay. Well, I'll let you get working on that and i guess i'll play a promo before working on some listener feedback okay bye alexander hamilton aaron burr if you're a history lover or a musical lover you probably know about both hamilton and burr's rise to power in the early stages of american history and their infamous duel but what if you didn't know the full story what if one of them was a werewolf White Rocket Entertainment proudly presents a 48-page full-color comic book, Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Written by Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Art by Nate Niles. Colors by Ace Wheelie and Ken Solomon. Letters by Percival Constantine and edited by Johanna Albrecht. Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Available digitally on Kindle and Comics Central. C-O-M-I-X Central. Prefer a print copy? Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale, along with my other published works, are available at theyardsaleartist.big cartel.com that's the yard sale artist.bigcartel.com or you can buy it directly from me creator jared albrecht the yard sale artist at any of my comic con appearances hamilton versus burr a werewolf tale get your copy today you won't regret it don't take my word for it here's what ming chen from amc's tv series comic book men had to say about it i really enjoyed it a lot of great werewolf scenes in here a lot of great uh this is how i wish history would be told to kids <laughs> books like uh, hamilton versus burr a werewolf tale that's hamilton versus burr a werewolf tale Monthly, monthly, monthly! It's Action Film Face Off!
Hello, I'm Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick, and I'd like to tell you about a podcast I do with my brother, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. Action film face off! Yes, thank you, Jared. Action Film Face-Off is a podcast where my brother and I, who are both military combat vets... Jason was a Navy SEAL! Jason was not a Navy SEAL. Jason was a military intelligence weenie. But anyway, in each episode of Action Film Face-Off, we select two different action films. Some of them have Chuck Norris! Technically speaking, none of them have had Chuck Norris yet, but it could happen because we use a randomizer set between 1970 and modern day to select our two films. So you'll always get two films, each from a different year. Our randomizer has spikes on it. We use a Google random number generator, so it does not have spikes on it. And we put the films into our video dome arena. It also has spikes. It does not have spikes. But we discuss the films and score them through six different rounds of criteria. I score Bond films very high. Okay, that's true. But anyway, by the end of the episode, we crown one of the action films the champion of action film face-off. Next episode, Jason fights a bear. Jason is not fighting a bear. But please give our show a listen. We're part of the Longbox Crusade Network of Shows. Pat Samson killed a man with a sword once. I can neither confirm nor deny that statement. But you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers under Longbox Crusade, or you can subscribe to just our show by searching for Action Film Face-Off. Come see the blood fly! And that's Action Film Face-Off. We do, indeed, invite you to come and see the blood fly. I just said that! Hey everybody, thanks for sticking with me. You noticed though Jared abandoned me, but that, that's okay. We're going to stick around for a little bit of feedback. Last episode, which covered Sherlock Holmes, The Dying Detective, with my guest Alan Middleton, got a lot of love. We got attention from Relatively Geeky, Laurel at Mountainflower1, Green Lantern HG, Hal Jordan, Delvin Williams, Weasel Skull, Chris Stados, Ross Michaud, Sean Ross, Ivan Chudley, Jared Albrick, and Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. If I missed anybody, do please let me know. I have been a little remiss on catching, keeping up with uh, all these names sometimes, but... You know, j just let me know. I'll, I'll make sure and get your name in there next time. On Twitter, we had a little bit of feedback from uh, Green Lantern HG, who happened to say, Awesome episode, not a bad film, and a great guest, but I almost blew a gasket when I read The Matter of Clinton Getting Out of the Basement. He's referring to last episode's tweet. That's never gonna happen. Ha! What?! HG, come on! You know I'm getting out of here. You just know it. One of these days, surely, somewhere, somehow, I'm getting out of here. You know it. I know it. The whole world knows it. Well, a few people maybe, maybe know it. We gotta keep everybody's gonna be plotting against me. But, shh, shh, shh. yeah. Anyway, that really seems to be it for the feedback on the last episode. I do want to give thanks to this episode's guest again, Mr. Albrick. I know you're up there singing Prince. Come on. You, you can, you can. Okay, fine. He won't let me out, but still. I also want to thank all the Crusaders Club members. And I also really want to thank Omaha Bound. Everybody who puts anything into this network, 
even just likes, shares, retweets, all that fun stuff, everything helps support the network. Everything is wonderful, except for staying, well, sometimes even staying in the basement, but, you know, I can't believe I said it. Don't, no, 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 don't listen to that. That's, that's, that's the trickle from the ear talking. Anyway, that about wraps it up. So, unless somebody really wants to just drop me a line and get me out of here, we're gonna call this an end to another Fan Film Fridays. Today you can take your telephone, your, your, your cell phone, and you can make a movie on that. And if it's a really cool movie that's funny and it's dramatic or whatever, you can post it on YouTube. If you want to make films and you want to tell stories, you can do it. After all, all art is experience. But if you're obsessed with film and you love to tell stories and you love working in that medium, uh, then uh, that will give you the strength to be persistent. Party man, party man. <laughs> Heh. <laughs>